From Rivers Barden Architects, this is Spork in the Road, a podcast featuring conversations with creative individuals about their path, craft, and passions. In this episode, our resident architect, Kevin Barden, visits with our other resident architect, Joe Rivers, from Houston, Texas. I mean, I, I, knew, I knew in fourth grade, as soon as I heard the word architect, that I wanted to be an architect. And it took me a long time to become a registered architect, and it did not, my road and path did not go at all what I had planned. Um, but I would say that I was fortunate enough to know early on what my passion was and to be excited about it. Joe Rivers is principal architect at Rivers Barden Architects. And in season two of this podcast, Joe sat down with fellow interviewer Kevin to discuss his life in architecture. In this episode, Kevin sits down with Joe to discuss his influences in architecture, his interests outside of architecture, and the life lessons he's learned along the way. Here's Kevin, followed by Joe. All right, Joe, well, let's start. uh, How about where are you from? Uh, oddly enough, I am from Houston, born and raised. Wow. Grew up over uh, southwest side, uh, Westbury, and um, yeah, quite a, quite an experience growing up here in the city and seeing how much it's changed and grown and evolved, and yet how much it's still really the same. Yeah. Uh, it's really, it's, it has a good foundation and a good, a good heart and soul, and it's great to see that be a constant. So how long, uh, how long have you been interested in architecture? That uh, start when you were young, or did you kind of find it uh, later on? I think the coalescing moment for me was when my brother, uh, Ben, got accepted to A&M for their uh, undergrad architecture program out of high school. Uh, he's nine years older than me. I was still in elementary school at the time, I think fourth grade, and... They said, oh, your brother's going to school for architecture. And I said, what is that? And they said, oh, it's where you get to design buildings and houses. And I had already been designing buildings and houses and drawing them and building them with Lego and erector sets and constructs and paper mache and, you know, drawing um, house plans. And it was the, the realization of that's the word of what I want to be when I grow up. And so it's... <laughs> It's always been there. It was just, it, it was nice to have a word associated with what I wanted to do. That's cool. I didn't know your brother uh, went to architecture school. Yeah. <laughs> did he or did, did he? No, he, he did. He it? did. Yeah. He, he has a, a bachelor's degree in environmental design from really? A&N. Same, same degree I have. Huh. Uh, he had an amazing teacher in high school. He ended up in the, the drafting class because he didn't pick an elective uh-huh. but had a really great teacher named Byron Parsons who hmm. taught him the basics of drafting and drawing and then also model building and so he ended up in when he was in high school building this scale model of a house uh, a skeleton model like of the the framing and, and all that um, and ended up going to competition the city and state and winning a, a best in state prize for wow. his model and design. Huh. Um, and then and you were right there uh, spectating. Yeah, spectating, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then I did the same when I got to high school. I had the same Byron Parsons as a teacher, and he taught he taught me the you know 
hand lettering and how they draft and uh, how they use a T-square and triangles properly and um, all the little tricks. Um, as Byron well as Parsons, wow, Byron cool. Parsons. Uh, was there a particular teacher at A&M that uh, sparked um, uh, your interest in architecture or helped carry the flame, so to speak? Dr. Bob Segner, who uh, he taught materials and methods. Um, amazing guy. He started off in San Antonio as a day laborer on the construction site and hmm. worked worked himself up from nothing and then ended up going and putting himself through school at the construction science at A&M. Uh, went back, was a general contractor, had his own company, and then went back to A&M, became a, a PhD and a professor. And he could talk uh, academically about how concrete hydrates on a molecular level and then also talk about how a subcontractor looks at concrete and how they pour and the way they think of concrete and so it was great to see that that theoretical and the applied put together for a, a nice kind of capstone of understanding man so you have them for a lecture or seminar or uh lecture i had them for both of uh, the materials and methods mm-hmm. uh, uh that was required at a&m you know and uh, I was a 150-person class and uh, for both times, but just was really able to explain all these different things at such a, a, a informative level, mm-hmm. you know, where you could tell he it wasn't just out of a book or something he had read about. It was something that he truly knew and understood and the processes and right. uh, really encouraged questioning and, and yeah, uh, what, what other interests outside of uh, architecture do you have? Growing up, me and the family, the family and I, we, uh, we go canoeing a lot. We did a lot of whitewater canoeing. And um, when I got to A&M, I got started participating with the uh, outdoor recreation. The, it was uh, Tamu Outdoors it was what it was called back then. And uh, started leading canoeing and kayaking trips and... Yeah, all kinds of just outdoor camping trips, hiking, caving, whatever. Mm-hmm. I also had such a great group of friends with them uh, within the uh, Tamo Outdoors that any weekend that I wasn't leading trips, we were out on the trip. Uh, so we were camping and doing something every weekend. I think my, my last year, I had three weekends the entire year that I spent in College Station. The rest of the time, we were out uh, canoeing or kayaking or, yeah, getting into trouble. That sounds awesome. And that uh, that carried on after uh, Texas A&M or? Yeah, at some point that that last year, as we were uh, probably driving back from Tennessee on a weekend to go canoeing at 3 a.m. on the interstate, I came to the realization that. Uh, probably me going working in an office immediately after school didn't make the most sense. I wasn't quite uh, at that point in my life. And I really needed to go um, explore the world and explore a couple of different passions. Um, so I, uh, I left architecture always with the knowledge that I would end up back at architecture. It was my first love, and I knew I would, be, I would come back to it, but I needed to step away and explore so yeah upon graduation i packed up my truck and drove to north carolina and i think within 48 hours i was in north carolina yeah 
from graduation. So how long were you out in North Carolina uh, for your paddling career? It was about five years. Um, It took a while to transition back into architecture from that. So the first step was I met a guy named Nick Williams who was building a straw bale house in North Carolina. He was the owner. And he said, what are you doing for the winter? I said, I don't know. He, being of the paddling community, understood the off-season. And Nick also had a, a, he had a second house that he needed someone to house it for the winter. So he asked if I would, uh, he, he said Evan was staying there now, so I could go stay with Evan for a couple of weeks until Evan flew back uh, to New Zealand to be with his family. Um, so I went and lived with this guy, Evan, for two weeks. And we would chat at night over dinner. And he asked if I knew uh, any AutoCAD and I knew drafting. I said, yes. And he said, oh, that's great. I don't know any of that stuff. Can you, I'm doing this house for this guy in New Zealand. Would you be able to put it on the computer? And I said, sure, I'd love to. And I, uh, he said, well, just email it to me when you're done. He ended up going back to New Zealand. I created the drawings, just some, some rough schematic drawings for him on, on the computer and sent it over to him. And Had you ever done that before for a house? No, not for a house. It was, I, you know, I'd done some, some stuff in school, and so I knew CAD, but I hadn't really done any f- formal professional drawings yet. So still, you know, still kind of trying to figure it out, but emailed it to him, and I hoped for an email of, oh, this is really great. I'll be back in the spring. Love to work with you some more. Maybe we can do some more projects together. Uh, instead, the emails he sent back was, this is great. Why don't you come to New Zealand for the winter and work with me? <laughs> Next thing I knew, I was in New Zealand. So that, so that experience really was when you found that, that passion again in architecture. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, that's what really kind of, yeah brought me back to it so when you came back here your your where your buddy's like man where were you i was like <laughs> yeah pretty much they, you know everyone always has had some pretty crazy stories about what happened over the winter and, uh-huh. but you know i even had friends tell me like oh there's a there's a, just a different spark in my eye at that point like yeah they could, they could huh. see a difference and and um yeah it's just so exciting to kind of have that you know gas lit and fired up mm-hmm mm-hmm um, and that's what drove me to uh, apply to, to Taliesin. And we got there. I met, first person I met was Ben Lynn. Mm-hmm. Soon to be followed by Kevin and Fred and Julie, several others. And crazy times. Crazy times. We've all been friends ever since. Yeah. And I only stayed at the program for a year. Uh, I decided at the end of the year it was just not the right place f- for me to continue my education. It was where I needed to be for that year. Uh, but for what I needed to do personally to continue to grow and challenge myself and to become the architect I wanted to be, I needed to, to go um, beyond the resources of what Taliesin could provide me. And uh, ended up returning to North Carolina and was able to get on with, with a, a general contractor there. Started as a, like I said, as a laborer and ended up being one of the carpenters. And uh, I had some events change in my life that brought me to Winston-Salem and uh, at that point left construction and got a 
got a job in my first architecture office. Nice. About the time I moved to Winston-Salem, I had thought about going back to school to get my master's uh, and ended up applying for this master construction management program at Western Carolina University. And so while I was at in Winston-Salem and working, uh, I was doing, I was also uh, getting my master construction management. Right. And it was putting it all together with master of architecture degree. Right. Right. At, uh, at the end of my time at, at, in, uh, at Lafferty Architecture, it's, I left to pursue a, a Master of Architecture at North Carolina State. Yeah, and that was uh, another two or three years. Or it was another, another two-year program at that point. Yeah, wow. I mean, I, I knew... I knew in fourth grade, as soon as I heard the word architect, that I wanted to be an architect. And it took me a long time to become a registered architect. And it did not, my road and path did not go at all what I had planned. Um, But I would say that I was fortunate enough to know early on what my passion was and to be excited about it. Lifelong, Joe. Lifelong learning. It's, uh, yeah, but it's kind of what you, I'm I'm going to know about you, but it's what I need to be doing. It's so much I don't know. There's so much to learn. There's so much out there that you got to keep, keep learning and keep trying. And so how do you feed that now? And that is an excellent question. Uh, uh, different ways I learn now. One is I teach for the academy of arts i actually do materials and methods how often are you thinking about past teachers when you're doing materials and methods i'm constantly thinking about bob segner back at a and i'm constantly thinking about uh my time on the construction site uh i'm constantly thinking about me sitting when when i'm drawing details uh as i'm teaching materials and methods and you know one of the big things i, I really want my students to grasp is uh I guess the the two things is number one is you don't know it, you know, like you need to know when you need to look it up. You need to know when to ask questions and you need to start looking for your resources. I'm, you don't need to know everything. You just really need to know when you don't know and when you need, when you need to look it up and, and double check yourself, you know, you got to check your math. Um, the other thing is it's not black and white. It's not, Oh, we should do A because it's it's the right way. It's like, you know, it's not not everything's a one-way answer. It's just some some methods work better for different circumstances and lead to opportunities to mitigate other issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the same way in design. It's, it's not that it's not that if if you go with A, everything's perfect. If if you put the if you put the window here, it's perfect because then you can see that tree, and you'll get the daylight. However, the window now faces direct west. So how do you mitigate for the western sun and mm-hmm. versus, you know, all the other stuff? So it, everything's kind of a give and take. And, and it's how you find those opportunities and find solutions and celebrate those mm-hmm. opportunities, is, you know, can lead to some really great design. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Kevin, you and I have spent a lot of times talking about 
especially starting our own practice and becoming becoming the head designers and the head honchos of what architecture really means and who it is for us and and what it, what we bring to it and uh it's really I'm really excited about what we continue to learn about ourselves and where we're going so it's it's going to be an exciting journey mm-hmm. it always helps having uh experience with other folks who are really passionate about it really about does something. that's yeah. that's so true um we do this podcast and meet amazing people talking about their own path and passion mm-hmm. to me everything's a metaphor for each other so i a lot of what i learned when doing whitewater canoeing and kayaking is i apply metaphorically to architecture and to design and to my life you have an example uh yeah so in paddling the most important stroke is your forward stroke the hardest stroke to perfect and and what really good paddlers are always coming back to is the quality of their forward stroke and if you're in a bad situation and you don't know what else to do the best stroke you can do is actually a forward stroke um so and that's what i tell when when i do teach canoeing kayaking is if even if you don't know what to do, just sit up straight and do a forward stroke. And it's kind of a metaphor for life of sometimes when you have a problem in front of you, sometimes the best thing you can do is, you know, stand up straight and just step into it of, okay, we have a problem. Let's deal with it. Um, make that phone call, make that phone call. Uh, yeah. Just admit like, Oh, I'm about to hit a rock. So, and it's, it's amazing because physically in kayaking, if you flinch, if you try, if you get scared of the rock and you shrink, the rock has a, it, it will physically push you over easier. However, if you step up, if you bow in and lean into the rock, and if you take a paddle stroke into the rock, you're more likely to bounce or be deflected off the rock. And yeah, hitting a rock hurts, but it's gonna hurt a lot less than getting flipped upside down and then thrown into the rock. Well, it's been great to get to get to know you a little bit here more, Joe. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks Thanks for you, Joe. This has been Spork in the Road. For more information on Joe and Kevin's work, visit riversbarden.com. A special thanks goes out to our guest, Joe Rivers, our interviewer extraordinaire flying solo, Kevin Barden, and to everyone out there listening to Season 3 of Spork in the Road podcast. This episode was written, produced, narrated, edited, and music by Scott Barton. For more information on Rivers Barton Architects and Spork on the Road podcast, visit riversbarton.com.